This podcast is brought to you by Blue Guardian, the only prop firm that protects their traders and is for entertainment purposes only. This is going to sound weird. I don't do it for the money. I do it for freedom. If I want a day off, I can have a day off. I don't answer to anyone. I didn't need to use other people's money to trade. So first and foremost, I had enough money to trade money of my own. A lot of people ask me, should I move it to break even? You can, but my argument is I'm I'm not trading the chart. Mm. I'm trading my P&L at that stage. This is going to sound a bit contradictory. So it was good being on a trading floor. And at that stage, I'd already had a strategy that was consistently profitable and I was happy with. Otherwise, I wouldn't be on a trading floor because the overheads are like $2,000 a month. Mm. You had to make $2,000 to break even. The problem with with that is that you get so many other traders. This one trader would come in and he would just place his trades. You know, he'd be in literally about half an hour. He'd place his trades and then... Episode 235. All right, folks, we've got Tom from Simply Forex coming up on the show. Now, Tom's got a 15-year trading veteran. Look, he, he did so well that he was able to buy a spot on a trading floor for two grand a month and he knew that he had to make that back to actually start making money on his account. So he was two grand in the hole. You're going to find out his whole trading journey, his trading story coming up in a second, as well as the conclusion to the Ben Omar episode where he talked about a hedging strategy. In fact, we've gone a step better. We've got Tom here sharing his own hedging strategy. This is what makes him money day in, day out in the markets. That is dropping on the channel very soon. So please make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it. Other things happening here on the channel, we've got the live streams. We've got five live streamers hitting the Trading Nut channel this week. And four of those guys, plus myself, are doing the Blue Guardian Challenge. I'm running one of my trading bots on it. You get to see all the progress and weekly updates that drop on Trading Nuts YouTube. And last but not least, if you sign up to my Robot Builders Club this July, you're gonna get yourself a $25,000 evaluation from my sponsors, Blue Guardian. So let's hear from them now and get on with the show. Our sponsor, Blue Guardian, is the only prop firm that gives their traders a built-in tool to protect them from hitting their max daily loss and over-trading. It's super simple to use. Just set the Guardian protector each day from your dashboard. Did you also know their evaluations are 40 and 80 days long, giving you plenty of time to hit their low 8 and 4% targets? Check out the link and coupon in the description to get 10% off your next Blue Guardian evaluation. All right, folks, here we are on trading up. We've got Tom from Simply Forex in the house. Now, Tom's been around the trading world and a, a trader for many years. You may have seen him on other shows because uh, I know he does feature now and again. You're all the way over there in Dubai, uh, but you're a Brit. So welcome to the show, Tom. Thanks, Cam. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, been in Dubai almost nine years now, but originally from the UK, and uh, it is ridiculously hot at the moment <laughs> in Dubai. Um, so yeah, but all good. And what we found out before the show was that Tom was actually grew up in the same town as my wife in the UK, which is like a, quite a small, small town. Or, <laughs> I suppose it's grown now, but kind of small world, really, isn't it? Yeah. Very small world. Very small world. Righty ho. So we're going to dive into your trading story and find out how you got to where you are now and all the hurdles along the way. So how did it all start? Um, So I, my first sort of, you know, um, start in trading was with a stock. Basically, I started, you know, I had money aside. I was thinking, what could I do with this money? started venturing into stocks and shares basically i remember the first stock i bought was a visa stock back in 2008 and then i made my main focus then was stocks and i was just sort of trading those more you know long-term trades that i would just buy stocks and and hold them and leave them and then my sort of interest grew from there really and what started with stocks I also looked at um, Forex and then slowly moved into Forex. It, it was a lot more liquid if I wanted to trade in, in and become a day trader. And, and that was the dream, really, to become a day trader. Took many years um, to get profitable and consistent. Um, but yeah, it was initially stocks and then slowly moved into Forex. And, and here I am, you know, 15 years later. And, and I know you've been on trading floors and, and all sorts of things along the way. So let, let's dive into a bit of detail around this. Uh, and so the, the transition from stocks to Forex, I mean, were you working at the time when you were trading the stocks and what made you shift to Forex? 
Yeah, and that's probably why it took me so long to become consistently profitable. So I had a full-time job, you know, as as most traders do to start with. I was, you know, stocks were okay because I could just buy a stock, sit on it and leave it, you know, and then collect the dividend. Whereas Forex started requiring more and more of my time. So um, I started, you know, less swing trading because it depends on how much you know, screen time I can give it. So I started with swing trading, um, and but then just it just took up more and more of my focus. Probably wasn't great at work as a result. Just don't tell any of my ex bosses. Um, and you know, and and eventually could spend more and more screen time with forex and and slowly become from swing trader, you know, to a intraday trader now. And what what just uh, what career were you in back then? Um, so sales mainly, different sales jobs. Um, I've been in recruitment. I was in events. You know, many many different jobs, okay. but none I... I really. I just did it for the for the money. The money was good, but yeah. you know, it wasn't what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's quite useful just for people to understand what somebody's done in the past. So you know, they may may be in that same situation looking to get into trading as well. Yeah, so. Sure. Um, so you okay? So you you found that the time thing was was a big factor in terms of moving from stocks to forex, and and what kind of education were you seeking at the time? Going through what was helping you get an understanding of what was going on? Yeah, so just a lot of online stuff, really. I can't really you know remember particular website. I just looked at everything I could and just get as much information as possible. You know, there's a million and one strategies out there. And you, you should have seen my charts at the start. You know, you've never seen so many indicators. You know, you could barely see the candles, yeah. you know. And then it went from that to the way I trade now is super simple. You know, there's like a moving average 20 and that is it. But, you know, I, I think everyone needs to go through that. It's difficult, you know, to you, you get all this information and you want to try it all. So you try a, a MACD crossover, you try RSI when it's overbought, or, you know, you try all these different things, uh, you know, and, and that takes time. It takes years to weed out what doesn't work for you, what does. Um, but I feel everyone needs to go through that journey and, and sort of, you know, trial and error themselves. Um, so that was me, really. Yeah, and, I just sort of tried everything. And how did you weed it out? What was your sort of process for for getting to that twenty moving average? Um, the, the fact that indicators are lagging, yeah. The real, the real, true. Everything I really need to know is in the price action, is in market structure, is in support and resistance zones, and is in the candlesticks. This is real time data that doesn't lie you know it's, it's there in front of you it's it's uh you know the truth if you like you know and there's no getting away from that volume maybe i don't really trade with volume um but yeah it was just it all become noise all them in you know i had so many things on my chart um and it was just noise and the, and the simpler i made it the better my results you know became and so when you were like getting to that price action kind of approach, what were some of the things you were noticing and and what was that sort of transition from any of it? sounds like it took you a while uh, yeah. from, you know, being inconsistent, unprofitable, you know, maybe break even. And then how did you get to the profitability point of view? What was not point of view stage, should I yeah. say? Yeah, well, that it was stripping everything away. You know, all, all of these, you know, like I say, I had, I had you know, I had Higanashi uh, candles, I had MACD on my screen, RSI, average true range, moving averages, you know, about four moving averages. You know, once I slowly stripped all that back, that it, it was the, um, it was the realization of, I don't need all these things. I, I can you know, you need to spend a lot of screen time understanding market structure and trends and how they move. But once you understand that, you know, that is your biggest weapon, not all these indicators. I understand if people want to use an indicator as an added piece of confluence, 
but I wouldn't necessarily trade just on an indicator. It would be price action with an indicator to back it up, if you know what I mean. And so, I mean, you obviously came to the point where you had a strategy or you're building a strategy that was going to be the core of what you were doing. Uh, how did you manage to create that? Um, how did I manage to create that? You know, time, screen time, and, and just understanding that, you know, you have to understand the market. If, if it's trending, people want to follow the trend. And, it, you know, it, if, if you break trading down into its bare essentials, you just need to decide who is in control, buyers or sellers. That's your only question, really. And trend can tell you that. It won't give you your exact entries, but if it's in an uptrend, I'm going to buy it. If it's in a downtrend, I'm going to sell it. If it's ranging, I'll probably stay out or buy the or sell the top of the range, buy the bottom of the range. And that is trading in a nutshell if you break it down to the bare essentials and then i once i understood the simplicity of it i then started you know working on entries and risk to reward and you know money management and these just as important things um as well as understanding the charts and what time frames were you, were you trying to establish the trend in the beginning um, or, so or the range or whatever it was yeah, I've pretty much always stuck with that. But really, the day chart, day chart is king for me. Whatever the day chart is telling me, I do. Yeah, it's like my my boss. Yeah, so if the day chart's in a downtrend, I'm looking for shorts. I enter on lower time frames, but you know, if if the day chart's in a downtrend, I'm looking for shorts. If it's in an uptrend, I'm looking for buys. And then I just look for my entries on the lower time frames. Okay. And what time frames are the lower ones that you're mainly focused on? Um, so H1 for entries, well, H4, H1, even M15. It depends what the, the you know, I'm looking for a certain setup to trade. And then that might appear on the H4 but doesn't necessarily make sense on the H1, but I will still take that trade. Or I'll have a setup on the H1, but it may not make sense on the H4, so I won't take that trade. You know, so I, I combine the lower time frames, and if they sort of make sense with each other and there's some confluence amongst the time frames, I'll take it. And M15 I use as a as a, just an added piece of confluence. If I see that M15 structure break down as well, it's just another piece of confluence for me. And do you do you ever like, you know, if you're if you're sort of watching YouTube, trading YouTube videos or whatever, do you ever see other people doing the same kind of thing that you're doing? Yeah, I would say a lot of concepts out there, whatever, whatever you're looking at, they're they're built around market structure or trend. They're built around understanding support and resistance levels, and they're built around understanding candlesticks. You know, if, if you get those things right, that is, you know, the foundation of a solid strategy. And right. if you're going to sort of teach somebody, you know, here's what you need to, here's a couple of things you need to know around understanding candlesticks, what would what would be your top two? Um, so there's a little, um, on trader view, there's a great little exercise you could do on trading view sorry so you can you can rerun you know you can go into history and rerun the candles so i would just play the candles historically play the candles and ask yourself would i buy this candle would i sell this candle or would i stay out of the market because again i i tried to just bring everything back to real simplistic view you know, they're your free options, buy, yeah. sell, stay the hell out. Um, so, you know, go through each candle and just play one candle along. What would you do with that? Would I buy, sell, stay out? See what yeah. happens. Play mm -hmm. the next candle. 
All right, folks, I'm here at Blackpool Markets headquarters in Auckland, New Zealand. You can see this amazing view behind me of Auckland Harbour. Now, talking about views, if you do want to get free TradingView Pro, then you, all you need to do is trade one lot a month at Blackpool Markets, and they're going to give you free TradingView Pro. So, folks, to find out more, click the link in the description below or the card above. We actually did a we we did I did used to do that as part of a, a, a live stream challenge for traders that have been on the show to come on and literally go right. You got to get 10, 10 candles. We're going to pick a random place on trading bar, uh, trading view bar replay tool, and you yeah. got to pick the next ten. And there was okay. one guy, one guy who's been on the show a couple of times, Cass Darman. I think he got nine. And oh, that's right. If you got ten out of ten, did you win the? I think you won a thousand. You could win a thousand bucks. He got nine out of ten right yeah. in terms of guessing the color of the next yeah. candle. You didn't have to guess where it was going, but it was just you know, was it a bull or okay. a bear? He, it was incredible, okay. and then he was like outstripped everyone. I think the next best was like three or four or something like that, and then it really dropped down to twos and ones. People yeah. just could not could not do it. No. Well, no, well how do you think? A, how that's do you a really think, cool game. How do you think you would go in that challenge, given that what you know, and adding in the fact that you can say, oh, "I don't know," I'll, I'll pass on that one. What do you think? Just yeah, out of, um, just, just ten out of ten. No, I'm only joking. Okay, yeah, um, of course, yeah. of course. <laughs> yeah, I, you know. Seven out of ten, six out of ten. You know, it's it's not a, it's not a. Yeah, I mean, it's not an easy skill to understand. But but candlesticks again don't lie. Yeah, mm. I'm looking at the close and open of the candle wicks. Look for wicks. They're a big indicator for me. If you're seeing price rejection, you know, wicks are huge. Um, but yeah, I reckon I'd do all right at that challenge. You're not going to put me on the spot, Cam. And... No, 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 not not, not right now. Um, no. <laughs> it might be a good idea for another video as part of this. Part <laughs> yeah, of this, but um, okay. So, so with with your trading, uh, I mean, when your trading started to turn around, what was sort of like the, the key aha moments for you, and like where everything started to click, and you're like, man, this this is actually, I think I've got it. How did that all play out? Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one to describe. That you just things just click into place, and it's not a it's not a specific one thing that you can pick out that changed my trading. But just stripping it all back, getting back to this simplistic view. You know, I don't mean to keep repeating myself, but trading you can buy, sell, or stay out of the market, and if it's not clear, don't trade. So I would say one big thing was really waiting for top-notch A1 setups. You know, perhaps before I would jump into things that, you know, um, were, you know, potentially not great setups and, you know, and over-trade a lot was a problem. But once I, you know, just focused on those really good setups, you know, it wouldn't matter if I had one trade a week you know i i have more than that but mm. as long as it's a good one you make money you know yeah. that understanding of you don't need to be in as many trades as you know almost less is more with trading i don't need to be in 500 trades a week i can be in two good ones you know so yeah it's interesting yeah because a lot of people struggle with that for a long time including myself yeah. and it sounds like you're able to overcome that or get to the point where you you know that wasn't an issue so how did you, and this was, you know, we're talking ages ago. So this was the days before the prop firms were around, like like Blue Guardian, these guys, link in the description, folks. Um, that You know, so how did you get to the point where, you know, I'm ready to leave my job, I've got enough capital to trade, and I'll be happy with whatever income I make uh, from the trading. I mean, how did that play out? Did you have to, did you sort of leverage it somehow or do anything like that? No, because I've, you know, I've always had jobs and I had savings and I didn't need to, you know, use other people's money to trade. So first and foremost, I had enough money to trade money of my own. And uh, secondly, whilst doing my job, I got to a consistent level. It wasn't like, you know, I'm understanding how to trade, quit my job, let's focus on trading. I'd been focused on trading for years got to a consistent level where I thought, okay, let's, you know, let's, let's commit to this. Let's go for this full time, you know, and there's, you know, and I'm still doing it now, 
you know so there was a few moments in amongst all that obviously you're gonna you know they're gonna be doubts it's a it's a scary transition um but you know I'm so glad I did it you know as you know Cam you know trade is one of those things that you know there's no I don't this is going to sound weird I don't do it for the money I do it for freedom yeah if I want a day off I can have a day off I don't answer to anyone you know and and I'm so glad I made that transition and so you, you talked about you know some you know not so great times when you did make that transition I mean mm. how did you never can you can you walk us through one of those moments like was it a bad trade or was it a a series of losses or something like that yeah i remember it was a series of losses because you you know as soon as you give up your job you're you have no income your total income is from your trading you know so that immediately from a psychological point of view puts pressure on you you know you, you know you got to pro- yeah. you know you have family whatever you know you got to provide and and it was that psychological pressure I put myself under that was difficult to handle to start with. And then that did sometimes result in bad trading. And I remember specific, you know, I had like four or five losses on the bounce, you know, lost a substantial amount, you know, well within my money management, but I'm thinking I'm not getting an income. I've just lost X. You know, I'm thinking, oh, no, you know, and there were times like that. But, you know, like I always say to my my viewers, is just trade your strategy. You're going to have times where you have three or four bad trades. Just keep trading your strategy. And, you know, it come back round and those losses become, you know, back into profit. So, yeah, but yeah, a few couple of hairy times. And and in terms of like your your, your strategy and what you're you know what you typically expect in a risk reward ratio and a and a win rate, what do they look like on an average? Um, so how I trade, I look for a minimum of a risk to reward of one is to one, because how I trade once I get one is to one, depending on what the candles are doing, I will close eighty percent of my trade. So I'm a big believer in securing profit early, yeah, because, you know, there's always news around the corner or, you know, price can just take off in a different direction. So generally speaking, I look for a minimum of one is to one, close 80%, let 20% run. And I can let 20% run for three years because I know I'm, I'm exaggerating, but I, I know I'm, I've made profit in that trade, yeah, and I'll just trail my stop. Um, and when you so when you move into, when you move one to one, are you moving the stop to break even? Is that how you how it works? No, or? I'll trail no? I'll trail the stop. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my twenty percent remain, and I'll just trail the stop. Um, a lot of people ask me, should I move it to break even? You can, but my argument is I'm I'm not trading the chart. Mm. I'm trading my P and L at that stage. Yeah, you know, I'll just I'll just trail the stop below the the H one swing lows or swing highs. Right. Um, so yeah, that's typically the minimum I'm looking for. One is to one. And have, have you ever worked out like on average what's your kind of like average risk to reward if you if you had held the whole position and I suppose uh, I suppose per trade, yeah, average risk to reward per trade with the twenty percent and eighty percent sort of factoring in there. Because I suppose if you have got twenty percent running and it goes five times your risk, that's kind of the same as like. One R, another one R, is it? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't yeah, know. I know I'm just what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, is, is, is the overall average like one point two five R or one point five R or something like that? Well, like when you let them run, do they run, you know, twenty R kind of thing? Yes, it, it depends entirely. So I'm either going to exit once I hit a because I enter on the lower time frames. I'll exit once it hits a daily support or resistance level or i'll just keep trailing on the h1 and i'm only wrong when that h1 structure changes so it's difficult for me to put a figure on how much my 20 percent remaining runs sometimes it comes back down and takes me out there's no extra profit sometimes it like i say it goes up five to one six to one so it's really difficult for me to measure that um 
that it works for me. You know, I, 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 in my trading journey, I know that I struggled to let winners run. You know, I'm sure it's a problem with a lot of your viewers, a lot of my viewers. Um, So the way of combating that is taking some profit. You know, it doesn't have to be 80-20. It could be 70-30, 60-40, 50-50. But it just helped. It really helped me psychologically to let the the 20% run. And and what's your, like, losing rate on that? How often do you take a full loss? Um, Well, I have a win rate. I of around you know 65 to 70 percent yeah would be my win rate um so my losing rate is 35 to 30 percent um but but yeah i mean yeah they're the stats really yeah and and what about like uh the markets are you looking at all all the forex markets or are you mixing them with indices and we got a short list yeah so i look at 28 currency pairs and I also keep an eye on oil gold I, I trade oil and gold I don't really trade the indices although I keep an eye on the indices because they can obviously impact uh forex pairs um and and how I try I don't you know people say you trade 28 pairs are you mental but what I do is I, I apply a filter at the start of the day right. so I'll do a daily filter so I'll look at the day chart, potentially the weekly chart, and then um, and then I'm going to filter it down. Some days I'll only have one currency pair to look at. Sometimes I'll have five currency pairs, but I filter the higher time frames and then narrow it down to yeah, two, three, four potential trades for that day. Right. Okay. And yeah, so what would be a typical day around number of trades you actually take? Um, anywhere, I'd say two trades a day. Yeah, two trades a day would be an average. Can be anywhere between none and four or five. But average, two trades a day. And look, I, I know I mentioned at the start you had a uh, you you did when you were in Dubai uh, join a trading floor. I mean, right, yeah. did you do anything else like that in like in other parts of your career? Um, I didn't know that, that's the only trading floor I've been on, but I just wanted to be in that environment, um, you know, and, and learn off others as well. Um, and it was a really good experience. Um, but this is going to sound a bit contradictory. So it was good being on a trading floor and, you know, but at that stage, I'd already had a strategy that was you know consistently profitable and I was happy with. Otherwise, I wouldn't be on a trading floor because the overheads are like two thousand uh, dollars a month. Mm. You had to make two thousand dollars to break even. Yeah. Um, so the problem with with that is that you get so many other traders giving you advice and wanting you to speak to you and and saying oh have you seen this setup what about what about the news coming out oh such and such said uh oil will be increasing you know production you know and all of all of that was noise for me it was counterproductive yeah. you know i i don't want any of that i don't want any noise um so yeah, in, in a strange way, it was a bit counterproductive. Glad I did it, but yeah. um and how, yeah, how many people was, were on the floor? Uh it was about 14. Yeah, yeah, 14, about 14 traders. And and yeah. uh I mean, do you ever keep in contact with these guys? Are they are you still trading or a couple of them I do? Yeah, one's not still trading. Um I don't think it was really for him. It's not for everyone. Yeah, I think he, it wasn't for him eventually. Um, and another guy, um, yeah, I keep in contact with him and he's still trading. He's more of a swing trader. He uh, He's back in the UK now. He was out here. Um, yeah, and he, he earns nice money trading. Yeah, he just, it's funny. He just, it's like, what, I mean, what, what do you think sort of, I mean, you're obviously one of the people that did it, but I mean, what drove you to, and what do you think drove others to, join a trading floor where and in fact you know you're, you're paying two grand a month 
to yeah. go and you know sit with other traders, which seems mm. kind of ludicrous to a certain degree when you could probably, yeah. I don't know, fire out <laughs> a fire out of your own office and and do the same uh, thing yeah. and find some traders. I mean, what yeah. what was the what was the lure there, and what was the benefit you think others found? Uh, well, part and parcel was to be with other traders and in that environment, you know, because as you know, trading can be quite a lonely pursuit. I hadn't been in Dubai long mm. and I don't know, you know, just meet other traders, meet like-minded people. And then once I took a look at uh, the trading floor, you, you also get a risk department, which helps you manage your risk, you know, which is you know, again, you should be at a point where you can manage your own risk. Mm. But, you know, there's traders on that floor that needed it. You know, I see people scurry out of the risk office and sort of try to almost grab a trader and speak to them. Like, you know, you are you are highly over leveraged. You're risking too oh. much. Um, so there was a risk department, which, you know, added value for some. Yeah. And then there was a, a, a Bloomberg terminal. But... Again, it it was not a value of to me. I, I'm not a big one on news or you know this fundamental data. I'm purely a technical mm. trader. So eventually, I didn't stay on the trading floor because it, it didn't make yeah. financial sense and it wasn't enough value for me. But yeah. there were a couple of perks for some traders. Tired of missing trades or spending hours at the charts? Introducing my Robot Builders Club. With our platform, you can build bots in minutes, not weeks, without any coding required. Get lifetime access to my video course, VIP community, and over 40 ready-made robots. Works with MT4 or MT5, and as a bonus, you'll get three months access to my robot lab, where we build and test bots on live calls every week. Join the hundreds of traders who are trading smarter, not harder. Click the link in the description to learn more, get the free training, and download a free robot. And it, uh, yeah, it's interesting. And uh, so people were, do you go in there five days a week, or would you? Yeah, go, five days a week. And everyone, and the, everyone was in the five, the full five days. So yes, some 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 traders, you know, which I really didn't get. This one trader would come in, and he would just place his trades. You know, he'd be in literally about half an hour. He'd place his trades and then leave the trading floor. I was like, yeah. you don't really need to be on the trading floor. <laughs> yeah. And he would come back the next morning. I'd be like, how'd you do? He's like, uh, yeah, one, one, lost one or whatever, you know. Uh, and I was like, why do you spend money and be on a trading floor? He was like, yeah, he was just like, you know, don't know, really. He was like, you make a very good point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. And obviously so, commute there know. to do the to place the trades. And then, you know, it's it's like, it does seem very odd. Uh, yes. Oh, oh, this is crazy. And so were there multiple yeah. of these trading floors around Dubai and you just selected um, one? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I just chose one. Um, there was a, a an English guy running it at the time. I had a good chat with him. He was quite open and honest with me. And um, yeah, I, I got on well with him. So I chose that trading mm. floor. Um yeah, and I don't regret it. It was a good experience. I yeah. enjoyed it, you know. And interesting. Um, but yeah, the the cost of being there, you know, the, there wasn't enough value. Yeah. In fact, like I say, there was too much noise. It was almost distracting in terms of you know my own trading. Yeah, and and so what does your typical day look like now? Your trading day. Um. So get up at midday. No, I'm only joking. Um. So I yeah. So get up in the morning. Obviously, as you know, I've got a YouTube channel myself. So as part of my morning analysis, I basically go through all 28 currency pairs. You know, this is my most important. You know, hour of the day. Um. And then apply my daily filter and just filter it down to a few trades I'm looking at. Um. Then I pinpoint where I can enter on the lower time frames, set my alarms up, and then generally wait for price to hit my alarms. And you know, and then I spring into action um, and and yeah, and trade really. I, you know, the my first hour of the day is just like noise. I know I keep mentioning noise, but I just don't want no noise. I don't look at my phone. I have breakfast, I get to my chart, 
there's a, a daily affirmation I listen to. It's basically saying, Tom, you know, you, you, you're a good trader. Remember your money management, your risk to reward, and, you know, don't take bad setups, blah, blah, blah. So I try to listen to that most mornings. Uh, and then, yeah, and then just zoom in on the charts for an hour and filter them down, find my entries, set my alarms up, and then come back when I hear an alarm, basically. And you that did you create that affirmation yourself? I did. Funnily enough, with someone from the trading floor. He oh. was like, look, Tom, I, I use a daily affirmation. Why don't you sort of, you know, just to get me in the right mindset for the day? And it's, it's on my channel. You can listen to it. Um, and, yeah, I listen to that. You know, yeah. I say most mornings I listen yeah. to that. Oh, that's interesting. It's a, it's a nice little hack, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, so so going back to like when you got started in that, and if somebody else was going to be taking the same path that you took, I mean, what do you think make made you different from like other traders out there that are that are giving this a go? Um. Well, um, you know, there's there's no substitute for putting in the time. Yeah, I knew this is something I wanted to do, and I. You know, every minute I could, I was putting into chart time, even while I had a job, you know, lunch hours, breaks during my job most of the time as well. Um, and, I, you know, if, if you want to get good at something, you've got to put the time in. So that first and foremost. Um, and then I guess my other skill is, is, is just breaking it down, trading to its simplest form. Yeah, that's what really helped me. It's just, you know, you can have all this, all this noise, all these things that potentially help you trade. Mm. But for me, it's just a distraction. You know, the truth is in those charts in terms yeah. of price action, you know, support resistance, structure trend, um, candlesticks, you know, also value areas. This is a big thing I look at, these value areas. But um, but that really, you know. Put the time in, keep it simple. These are the things that really, you know, took my trading to the next level. Mm. And and so if somebody was like working a day job, what would you recommend they do from a step-by-step -step process to get to that point of like, I'm trading for a living, I'm doing exactly what you're doing, getting up in the morning, yeah. set my levels and, you know, jump on when things happen? Yeah. Um, you know, because when you've got a job, it's about screen time. You know, I can look at the charts all day if I wanted to now. But when you've got a job, I would argue potentially you can't be an intraday trader. You know, potentially you need to be a swing. You definitely can't scout. You know, you can't be at work, you know, on the five-minute chart <laughs> trying to scalp. You know, your boss would be like, you know, it just wouldn't work. And even intraday trading, I would say, would be difficult with a job, you know. so. You can still apply the three things I keep talking about, market structure, trend, you know, um, price action, candlestick, support and resistance, but just do it on a higher time frame where you get, you know, one or two setups a week. You know, you, you, you'll become a, a swing trader mm. and you can, you know, then you have less screen time and you can still build up a good understanding of trading just on a higher time frame. Is what I would suggest. And and you you know you mentioned chart time quite a few times. What would be your sort of like ballpark guess at how many hours you sat at the charts before you became consistently profitable? Like to think about it, <laughs> really. Um, yeah, lots. You know, I especially when I made that transition from um, working to trading full time. You know, I. I just again the psychology of it. My, I was at the charts far too long. Yeah, I would, you know, I was looking at them, you know, like nine to five almost. You know, when the London opened, up until when the New York opened. You know, I'm, I'm, I put that pressure on me because I wasn't earning an income from another source, and that became detrimental. Um, but I was doing, yeah, let's say nine nine hours a day, screen time, you know, crazy amounts. But obviously I've learned from that. I just set my alarms now, walk away, come back. If I get a setup, great. If I don't, no problem. 
Mm. Um, so yeah, some and, serious and, screen And what time. we what were you doing in the nine hours? Given the fact you weren't, you, I'm guessing you were sort of trying, you know, staying in line with the number of trades you're placing now. I mean, were you looking at every tick, or were you back testing yeah. things or trying new things yeah. out? Yeah, sort of back testing things, not not looking at every tick because I would have more grey hair than I currently have. Um, but yeah, just sort of back testing, sort of tr- just trying to reinforce my strategy. And um, it, and it, to be honest with you, it was more the fact that you know it's it's been ingrained in you as a person that you need to work nine to five. Right. You know, it yeah. was more that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's been so ingrained in me all my life. Um, so when it came to trading, I, I sort of went from a nine to five job to a nine to five trading job. And as you know, you know, it's, it's not how this game works. You know, it's it's about, yeah, you don't want that amount of screen time. And almost less is more. So it was more that breaking that nine to five, you know, structure that just ingrained in me. And once I broke that, it become less stressful. Um, and I had more, you know, the reason I did it was for freedom and I had more freedom to do things I wanted. Mm. And, and now the other thing I was going to ask around, like, so you're setting your alerts, they go off, you jump into action. I mean, how do you manage the rest of your day around the alerts that could go off at any time so you're not mm. sort of caught short? And what happens if you are caught short? Yeah, so I so obviously the alarms I can set up through my phone as well. So if I am out or up the gym or you know doing something, then I still see the alarm on my phone. Um, you know, I don't like necessarily trading on my phone. I like to see a, a chart on the big screen. But you know, I've done my analysis in the morning and it's very thorough. So when I do get an alarm on my phone. I can check it on my phone. If the structure's breaking down as I wanted, then I will enter a trade. You know, I'll enter a trade in a coffee shop or mm. up the gym or, you know, wherever I might be, not right. the pub. Don't enter trades in the pub. Yeah. <laughs> and and, how, do you, and do you, how do you do your risk management like when you're entering on the fly, if you've got a dynamic stop loss or have you just got a fixed size that you, you put on? Uh, so generally speaking, I'm entering on the H1 chart and whatever the H1 swing, you know, in a downtrend, whatever the H1 swing high is, will be my stop loss. It could be 10 pips. It could be 50 pips. Yeah. Um, and then I'll adjust my money management accordingly. Or, you know, or in an uptrend, I'll just put my stop below the swing low on the H1 is typically where my stop loss placement is. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't actually use a stop loss. I use a hedge. So uh, yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of getting a stop loss, it will become a buy order. So if I'm in a short, I'm selling, my idea was wrong, I will become in a buy order and I will hold a loss and wait for the next setup. Okay. And I think we're going to jump into a video after this and, and have a look at your hedging approach because I know yeah, uh, another guest had that on and we didn't get a video of it. So it, it should be able to tie the, um, the the strings together for that. Now, uh, I'm still sort of like trying to work out, are you taking a percentage of your account to put at risk or a, a monetary figure or just a lot size? How does that work? Uh, a percentage. So... Okay. Yeah, percentage. So and how do, you, how, do you work, how do you work that out on a like when you're on the out and about on your phone? Have you got an easy way to work that out? Can you easily do it in your head, or how do you do? I that? can. I, yeah, I can easily do it in my head. I can look at the pip amounts, you know, and and work out the 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 size of my trade. Yeah, I've you know been doing it for years, so I can do that in my head. But there's lots of good pip calculators out there. But yeah, I just do that in my head quickly work out what that will be yeah exactly that and and what what kind of percentage are you looking to risk it per trade yeah so because i hedge yeah i i tr- typically i will uh risk one percent okay so if the trade goes against me and picks up my hedge that is typically a one percent um risk okay but then as i hedge 
you know, I, I will let a hedge run to 3%. So I risk anywhere between 1% to 3%. Um, and, okay. and the way I trade as well, I might not be in my trade full size. I, I build a trade. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I'm, every time I enter a trade, it's not 1%. It might be 0.5%. Yeah. And then I, I know I've got another 0.5 to play with. So it's that side of my trading, the structure, I mean, sorry, the strategy and how I enter is quite rigid, but how I manage a trade is more fluid. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I'm willing to, you know, not, not go in a hundred percent of my normal trade size might be point, you know, 50%. 50% or 20, 20, 20, 20, uh, you know, and build a trade. Yeah. And and so like if, if for example, your hedge fails and, you know, you lose on both the long and the short, I mean, it, what, what happens in that scenario where it's like a complete, you know, not catastrophe, but it's just, you know, not ideal. No, and it's, yeah, you're, you're right. It's not a magic wand for, you know, making every trade profitable. It's yeah. not, but what the overriding factor with hedging is the day trend. So if I'm with the day trend, it doesn't, because I enter on the H1 typically. So if H1 structure's broken down, yeah, the day trend is telling me to short. H1 structure's broken down, I can enter. My stop's above the last swing high. Then if it's wrong and it comes up, yeah, then I'm just looking for the same setup again as long as the day trend is still in a short. The only right. time I have, I could potentially build up to a 3% loss is if that day trend changes on me. Right. Then I could, you know, not in trouble. I'm, you know, well within my money management, but that's when, you know, a, a trade can, you know, that's like worst case scenario with a hedge. Mm. And so, like at the end of, say, for example, a month, have you sort of got a, a figure that you're you're after, or even a week where you're sort of like going, oh, if I make that much, I'm kind of happy, or are you sort of like this thing's exponentially growing every single month? So I kind of over the course of you know weeks or whatever, I'm gradually getting more and more in terms of the return that I that I make because I'm risking one percent. Obviously, withdrawals taken into consideration, all that sort of thing. How do you do? Yeah. How do you how do you do that? Or do you even not even bother factoring it in? I I'm aware of what I obviously what I earn each month. I don't I don't you know. For example, some people say, "Look, I want a target of one percent a day," but you know the market doesn't care. Yeah, you're like Mr. Market. Can I have one percent a day? He'll be like, "No, get what you're given." Yeah. You know, so I I don't I don't put too much emphasis on that. You know, I I trade the charts, not my PL. So whatever the chart gives me and allows me to have, I take according to my strategy. Some weeks that might be, you know, uh a 1% loss. Some weeks that might be a 5% gain. I, you know, I don't really have targets like that because I think they're, you know, without being too hard, pointless. You know, the market has no, you know, doesn't care what you want. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just trade my setups and, and focus on managing that. I can control that. I can't control what the market will give me that week. Mm. And, and have you ever, like, considered trading um, other people's money? So I have been offered yeah to trade other people's money but i don't need to to be quite honest i don't need to you know i've i've got my own money i trade that i make a nice living you know and and like i say not for nice not for the reason of nice things but for the freedom it gives me so mm. no is the answer to that i got offered it uh, a couple of times and i just said no i don't yeah. i don't want i don't want that added pressure Right. Yeah, like the trading floor, anything that throws me off my game or yeah. adds pressure I don't want or even need, I'm just like, no. Yeah, yeah, so, fair yeah. enough. Brilliant. Well, look, um, we're going to jump into the quickfire round here and then wrap this baby okay. up. So how long did it take you to go from newbie to consistently profitable? Um, 
not to scare you, but probably about eight years. The first four years were just trying different instruments, stocks, forex. Yeah, you said quick fire round. I apologize. I'm giving right. you a yeah. in gives, gives us context. Yeah, but then the, the following four years when I decided to focus on forex. So eight years in terms of the complete journey, four years in just trading forex. What's your favorite entry setup? Um, what was once support becomes resistance or what was once resistance becomes support? Yeah, simple price action. Mm. I love this setup. If you trade only that setup, you'll make money. What strategies do you use to exit or manage trades? I think we actually answered that question with your hedging. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so if trades go against me, I hedge typically for take profit, risk to reward of at least one is to one. Yeah. And I close 80%. Um, and do you have a recommended trading book or resource? Um, oh, everything I've learned has been online. Yeah, we've got a list of books on our on our channel, but everything I've ever learned is online. So no, I can't give you a recommendation for the book. YouTube, maybe. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah YouTube. Yeah. Exactly. What about uh, what's your preferred broker and trading platform? Look, folks, I know you want the answer to this question. Which broker is this trader using? Now, the answer has been sponsored by Black Bull Markets. So to find the answer out, you're going to need to go over to tradingnut.com, find the show notes page for this guest, and then all will be revealed. Um, now, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? It would be discipline and patience. That's, yeah, discipline and patience. They're the two things that you know, take time to really ingrain in you. But once you get that discipline and patience down, you know, nobody gets it fully down. I still have times where I'm, you know, lack discipline and patience, but just focus on them two things mm. and keep it simple. Brilliant. Well, look, before we wrap up, what's the best way for traders to get hold of you? Uh, so, guys, yeah, I've got a YouTube channel, Simply Forex. Uh, I'm sure Cam will leave the link below. Um, so, yeah, come check it out. Um, I give you my trade ideas analysis every morning, guys. So, uh, yeah, come check it out. We'd love to have you. Brilliant. Well, look, a big thank you to Tom for sharing with us today. Everything we discussed, along with that link to his YouTube channel, will be in the show notes. To find them, simply search for Tom in the search box on tradingnut.com. Until next time, I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. All right, folks, so there you have it. Interview done and dust with Tom. Now, remember, we did shoot that video afterwards. It goes for about 15 minutes, and he breaks down his entire hedging strategy and his trading strategy, really, as a whole. So make sure you are jumping on the YouTube channel for that, hitting subscribe so you don't miss it. Other things going on here, we've got those live streamers, some of them taking on the Blue Guardian 125K challenges. And also, there's that weekly recap. So if you missed the live streams, you can jump into that or jump on to my Robot Builders Club and you're going to get yourself a 25K evaluation from Blue Guardian on the house. All right, folks, thanks for watching and we'll see you in the next one.